Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Good evening, dear friends. Welcome to Creative Biolabs Podcast. Today, we invite David to our program to continue talking about immune tolerance following the last episode. Thank you for joining us again, David. Thank you for inviting me. You have introduced to us last week that immune tolerance refers to the phenomenon that T cells and B cells that specifically respond to an antigen cannot be activated under the stimulation of the antigen, cannot produce specific immune effector cells and specific antibodies, and as a result, fail to perform a normal immune response. Toll-like receptors are an important class of protein molecules involved in nonspecific immunity, and they are also a bridge between nonspecific immunity and specific immunity. Pathogen nucleic acid is sensed through toll-like receptors in the endosomal compartment. So, the endosomes are also essential for switching on the adaptive immune response towards pathogens. For today's show, I want to discuss the relationship between self-tolerance and endosomes. David, does the endosome rely on toll-like receptors to participate in the immune process? Well, we can say that. Let me first define what a toll-like receptor is. It is a single transmembrane non-catalytic protein that can recognize molecules with conserved structures derived from microorganisms. When microorganisms break through the body's physical barriers, you know, like skin and mucous membranes, toll-like receptors can recognize them and activate the body to produce immune cell responses. Do you mean toll-like receptor is the bridge linking the endosomes and the immune response? Exactly. The toll-like receptors in the endosomal compartments can sense pathogen nucleic acids. And after sensing bacteria or viruses, toll-like receptors trigger the inflammation and antiviral response by inducing the activation of transcription factors, such as nuclear factor nuclear factor kappa B or interferon regulatory factor. This can ultimately lead to the elimination of invading pathogens. So yes, Endosomes play an important role in innate immunity. I see. Are endosomes also essential in the adaptive immune system? Certainly. They are also important in switching on the adaptive immune response towards pathogens. As we all know, extracellular antigens are taken up by antigen-presenting cells and processed into peptides within the so-called MHC class II compartment. The processed peptides are then loaded onto pre-assembled MHC class II complexes to replace the invariant chain. The invariant chain is a type II transmembrane protein that is responsible for the proper folding of nascent MHC class II molecules in the endoplasmic reticulum and sorting through the transgolgi network to the low pH endosomal compartments in the antigen-presenting cells. As MHC2 molecules move towards vesicular compartments enriched for exogenous antigens, the invariant chain is gradually cleaved away by proteases, leaving behind a short peptide named class II-associated invariant chain peptide, which remains bound to the peptide binding groove. After that, 
the adaptive immune response begins. So do you think there might be some cathepsins in the endosomal compartments that also participate in this process? Yes. I want to point out that cysteine cathepsins play an important role in proteolytic processing of the invariant chain and foreign antigens in a number of antigens presenting cells. In the endosomal compartments, there is a protein called human leukocyte antigen DM that can specifically capture the exogenous antigenic peptides. This indicates that human leukocyte antigen DM plays a crucial role in exchanging class II associated invariant chain peptides for an exogenous antigen-derived peptide. With the low pH of endosomal compartments, is the process of antigen presentation and subsequent adaptive immune activation be hindered? Surely yes. Not only the acidity of the endosome, but the maturation of the endosome will also affect this process. Because both cysteine cathepsins and human leukocyte antigen DM require low pH for full activity. Thus, under physiological conditions, dendritic cells will not properly process and present self-antigens to T-cells. We already know that most of the dendritic cells in the human body are in an immature state. They express relatively low levels of costimulatory factors and adhesion factors, and their ability to stimulate the proliferation response of homologous, mixed lymphocytes in vitro is low. Differentiate into mature dendritic cells. Upon ingestion of antigen, including in vitro processing, or stimulation by certain factors, and mature dendritic cells express high levels of costimulatory factors and adhesion factors. In the process of maturation, dendritic cells migrate from the peripheral tissues into the secondary lymphoid organs, contact T-cells and stimulate an immune response. As the most powerful antigen-presenting cells found so far, dendritic cells can induce the production of specific cytotoxic T-lymphocytes. But still, it's hard to understand why under physiological conditions, dendritic cells cannot properly process and present self-antigens to T-cells? Actually, the reason is quite simple. Apparently, the activation of endosomal toll-like receptors is required for both non-self and self-antigen processing and presentation by dendritic cells. As I said earlier, both cysteine cathepsins and human leukocyte antigen DM require low pH for full activity. And in the absence of danger signals, endosomal toll-like receptors are not activated so that consequently self-antigens are not effectively presented. There have been studies using gene profiling in response to immunostimulatory RNAs that identified several genes, some of which are involved in endosome maturation. Okay, this makes more sense. So I suppose that maybe we can use a toll-like receptor agonist as an immunopotentiator to treat cancers? Um, unfortunately, although toll-like receptor agonists enhance immune responses, they also induce expression of dendritic cells-derived immunosuppressive factors, such as interleukin-10 and suppressor of cytokine signaling one proteins. These inhibitory feedback mechanisms may hamper effective immunity against tumor cells. Too bad to hear that. Let me sort it out. So, we must develop the agents that stimulate dendritic cell maturation through toll-like receptors, and at the same time inhibit the expression of immunosuppressive factors. Then regulatory T-cell function may break self-tolerance and activate high-affinity autoreactive T-cells that have escaped central tolerance, right? Does this strategy even exist? 
You are exactly right. This is a valid hypothesis, and to test it, some studies have refined RNA interference technology by designing bifunctional small interfering RNA molecules that cleave the messenger RNA of the target genes and increased the production of cytokines and type 1 interferon by binding and stimulating endosomal toll-like receptors. And some studies have also applied a novel dendritic cell-based vaccine. For example, in an acute myelocytic leukemia rat model, dendritic cell loaded with leukemia antigens that have been transfected with an interleukin 10-SI RNA is capable of coordinately activating dendritic cell via toll-like receptor 7 or 8. Interestingly, compared with rats injected with the control vaccine, leukemic rats treated with this new vaccine had fewer leukemic cell clusters in the bone marrow and less extramedullary dissemination of the leukemic disease after death. Collectively, the data demonstrate the possible usefulness of dual siRNAs as an immunomodulatory drug with anti-leukemic properties. Now we're talking about some great, promising results. Okay, that is it for today's program. Thanks David for sharing your expertise with us. And thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week with more interesting discussions.